some holy bread. Grab your coffee and your Bible. Today is Beer Not Friday! And this is Daybreak Live with the Nesbits. It is October the 7th. 7th. I don't have my glasses on, I can't see it. 2022. One.
Amen to that. Praise the Lord. Oh, good morning, saints of God. Well, this will be our last daybreak for quite a while, actually. It'll be, what, 12 days, something like that, 12, 13 days. So uh, you guys, maybe you can watch reruns. Now, I will try to do some stuff. We'll try to, like, I may do some kind of teaching, but I don't want to do daybreak until we get back. Uh, from Tabernacles, Tabernacles begins Sunday night. We will be building a sukkah down at Defeated Creek Campground. We've rented one site. We call him the Tent of Meetings. We'll have a sukkah on it, and then we'll have uh, some pop-up tents to eat together under, to pray together under, stuff like that, and we're camped out all around it. If you get a chance to come out and visit with us, please come out and visit with us. And... I do want to say this, you know, Adam, if you happen to be tuning in today, thank you for coming up and saying hi to me at Walmart. I really, it really means the world to Lisa and I, you know, when we're out somewhere and somebody just comes up and says, hey, I'll watch your um, Bible show. And uh, it's just a blessing, you know, to meet new people that tune into Daybreak and, and that like it, you know, even though. You know, uh, some of you, a lot of you don't tune in every day. You're not with us every day, but you tune in ever, ever so often, two or three times a week, something like that. And I thank you for that. And uh, I just want you to know that in case you like you've never met us and you're like, well, I don't know if I, I don't want to bug them. It's not going to bug me. So if you see us out somewhere, you know, come up and say hi. We'd love to talk to you. We're in Revelation chapter 11. And... Uh, I'm going to start this with a question. I'd like for you to type in your answers. And the question will go toward helping, I believe, understanding. Today we're going to talk about who are the two witnesses? Who are they? You know? Um, and I'm going to probably give you other opinions that are out there. We'll just see how it goes. But let's look back at the scripture first. And the first question I want to ask, I'd like for you to type in the answer to. Here's the question. Was John the Baptist Elijah? Was John the Baptist Elijah? Love for you to type in your answers to that. So uh, let's dive in. And today we're going to take up with verse 3 again. And we notice this. He says, and I will give power to my two witnesses. Now, there's a couple of things we need to notice here. Number one, I will give power means I will give authority. I will give an anointing to my two witnesses. They shall prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. The scripture is leaning towards not that these have had this power or this authority the whole time, but it is given to them during this time. Remember, we talked about yesterday, at the moment that we're reading in Scripture, Jerusalem is under siege of the Antichrist. War is going on all over the world, okay? 
he has moved in, the Antichrist has moved in to Jerusalem. He has laid siege against Jerusalem, at much like Titus did. Titus is a partial fulfillment of that from 70 AD. However, as I've shared with you many times, about 70% of the scriptures that talk about what's going to happen in the end time was not fulfilled by Titus. That's why we know it's a partial fulfillment. And when we look through scriptures, we see many times partial fulfillments of scriptures. But this is the time of total fulfillment. Remember that we uh, listened to the angel that said he swore by heaven and earth, this is it. All prophecy is going to be fulfilled now. Remember that? Here's the book. He swore by heaven and earth. He put one foot on the sea, one foot on the earth, and he said, it's over. It's done. So this is the final time that Jerusalem will be under siege. At this time, I've shared with you, the temple had already been rebuilt. They thought there was peace, peace, but really there was no peace. It was a trick. And the Antichrist, who is the sock puppet of the devil himself, Lucifer, the fallen angel, has moved in and laid siege against Jerusalem. And he has a lot of authority, has a lot of power. And it's as if God is saying, I'm giving you your day. This is your day, but it's not going to last. Why is God allowing this? Because this will set people's decision whether they want God, they don't want God. This this will this will be, you know, a, a time of persecution for saints, absolutely. And a time where people give their allegiance to the Antichrist and say, I we do not want you, God. We want the enemy. Now during this time, two witnesses, he says, I will give authority to my two witnesses. I will give a authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy. Clothed in sackcloth, sackcloth means in humility. Basically, they're given a job to do. Number two that we want to notice, number one, they're giving a, given authority during this time. Number two that we need to notice is it simply says two witnesses. Now, regardless of who does this study or who teaches, you must understand that in the book of Revelation, they are not named, okay? So the Lord doesn't give them names. He does say, just says two witnesses. And this is why there are many opinions out there of who these two witnesses are. And I don't know if I can cover who everybody thinks they are. But as we read this yesterday, now let's go over it again. Verse 4 says, these are the two olive trees and the lampstands standing before the God of all the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth, devours their enemies. During the time of 1260 days, 42 months, they cannot be harmed. Now, it doesn't mean that they totally cannot be harmed because as we go through the rest of this chapter, when we get back from Tabernacles, we will see that when their testimony is done, they are also killed by the beast. But during this portion of time, they cannot be harmed. Nobody can touch them 
God is giving them a witness, and they're given power. Now, next it says, uh, devour their enemy. Okay, let me go ahead and throw it. One opinion is that the two witnesses are the last day saints of Jews and Gentiles. And they are the witnesses because what they do is take and spiritualize the lampstands, which represent the church at times. Here's how we know that's not true or how I know that's not true. Because I take all of these things and I'm like, okay, let's look at the scripture. Well, number one, we know that the beast throughout the time is making war against the saints and killing the saints. Uh, it does not matter who you think the saints are at this time that are on the earth. There are believers, saints on the earth, that are not taking the mark of the beast. And because of that, they cannot participate in the world economic system because it's a cashless society at this time. And they are being persecuted. And they are being killed. Even in Revelation 20, it says those that didn't take the mark that were killed for their witness, they come to life and they reign with Christ. So the point I'm making is these two witnesses cannot be harmed. And that's how I go, okay, it must not be the saints then. It must not be spiritualized as the saints. But let's go forward. These have the power, verse 6. Now it says, these have the power, these two witnesses have the power, so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. In other words, they have the power to shut heaven. So there is no doubt that God is cueing us to Elijah. No doubt. Why? Elijah was the only prophet that we read of, okay, that stopped the rain. He prayed and it did not rain. He prayed again and God brought forth rain. That was Elijah. But then the next thing it says, they, now both of these have power. They have the power to turn over the waters to turn them into blood. And then it just says to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Well, there's only one prophet in the scriptures that ever turned water to blood. His name was Moses. So regardless of our theological feelings, what the Lord is revealing to the apostle John, he's pointing him to think of Elijah and to think of Moses, to think of Elijah and to think of Moses. Now, let's complicate this just a little bit more <laughs> because I love to do that. Anyway, what was your answer to is, was John the Baptist Elijah? Well, here's the, here's the thing. If you answered yes, John the Baptist was Elijah, you're right. If you answered no, John the Baptist was not Elijah. You're right. You're also right. So how can it be? So we have scriptures, and I'm just going to, for time's sake, point these out to you, give them to you for you to look at. Okay? Now, number one, in Malachi, in Malachi, there's the prophecy that God is going to send his messenger to prepare the way before him. And that's Malachi 3.1. I thought it. That's what I jotted down was 3.1. Behold, I send my... I meant chapters 3 and 4. 3 and 4. Yeah, amen. 
Behold, I send my messenger, right? And he will prepare the way before me. But then when you get to Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So he's going, he says, I'm going to send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. So we know throughout the scriptures that there's the prophesied Elijah is going to come, prepare the way for the Lord. Now, when John the Baptist comes on the scene, and like I said, for time's sake, I've just got to give you these scriptures. When John the Baptist comes on the scene in John 1.21, they send to him and they ask him plainly. They say, John, who are you? Are you that prophet? And I'm not getting these in necessarily the order. Are you the Christ? I think the order is, are you the Christ? And he said, no, I'm not. They said, are you Elijah? He says, no. Are you that prophet then? Because they knew there was that prophet that was coming, one greater than Moses. He said, no. They said, well, who are you? So John's testimony of himself is, are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. I'm not Elijah. So he's not Elijah. So then how is he Elijah? Well, he is not Elijah himself. He's not Elijah reincarnated or anything like that. But his ministry is that of Elijah. It was prophesied of him at his birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, you know this every Christmas. You guys that have Christmas plays, you probably talk about this in the Christmas plays. John the Baptist prophesied about him in Luke 1.17. Luke 1.17. He says, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Here's what this means. John the Baptist is going to be given power and anointing to go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. We will go to Matthew chapter 11. Why are we studying the John, John the Baptist? Because I think studying the John, John the Baptist can really help us in this. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking. I hope I marked it. Behold, I send my messenger before my face. That's in verse 10. Jesus is talking about John the Baptist here in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew records Jesus talking about him. But when we get to verse 14, well, let's read 13. It says, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. John, now let's remember, John is prophesied as a baby that he will go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. That is to say, his ministry is that of Elijah's. The prophecy says Elijah is going to come and prepare the way before the Lord. John the Baptist is a forerunner to the Lord Jesus who prepares the way before him. 
John is asked by the Pharisees, are you Elijah? He says, no, I'm not Elijah. But Yeshua, Jesus says, if you can receive it, if you're willing to receive it, and that's the key, this is Elijah. When we turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 17, look at verse 3. Matthew chapter 17, now we're going to the transfiguration. Now, during the transfiguration, after the famous scriptures that you hear preached often in church, where Jesus, Yeshua, he asked the disciples, who do men say I am? And some, you know, some people say you're Elijah, you know, some people think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. And then he said, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. After this famous thing, six days later, Jesus takes John, James, John, and Peter, and they go onto a high mountain. This is called the Transfiguration. But I wanted to just show you this. In verse 3, it says, well, verse 2, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him so here at the transfiguration jesus yeshua is standing there and on each side of him i see it as each side of him moses and elijah are there now moses and elijah represent the law and the prophets the law and the prophets were until john but moses represents the law elijah represents the prophets and uh, they are the symbol of the law and the prophets. They are the embodiment. They are, we would say, the two greatest anointed prophets in the Bible because Moses turned water into blood. Elijah called down fire from heaven. Elijah caused it not to rain. We already talked about that. However, when Jesus was talking about the John, John the Baptist, he said there's never been a greater prophet than John. And he didn't call down fire from heaven or smite waters and turn to blood. But nevertheless, this was so miraculous. And what are they talking about? Just for, for time's sake, they're talking about, when you study this out, they're talking about what Jesus is going to accomplish in Jerusalem. And so Moses and Elijah and Yeshua are all talking about what the, our Lord is going to do when he gets to Jerusalem. That's just amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Moses and Elijah. Now, what is more amazing to me is that when the disciples recon, recognize who it is, they're like, Lord, let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And this voice comes and says, this is my son. Hear him. Moses is important. Elijah is important. But Yeshua, Jesus, He's the one we listen to. All they do is point to him. All we do is point to him. Amen? Now, as we skip on down, I just wanted to, to confirm this again in verse 11. The disciples became confused because when they seen Moses and Elijah, when they saw Moses and Elijah, they're like, I don't get it. In verse 9, when they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them saying, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Don't, don't tell anybody about this 
until I've risen back from the dead. What? Now, this is James, John, Peter. Three people, right? Don't tell anybody about this. Now look at verse 10. His disciples ask him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Whoa. We've always heard, Lord, we've always heard from the scribes that Elijah has to come first. Now look at this, verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. Now look at verse 13. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them about John the Baptist. So that's what I say. If you said no or yes, you're both right. John the Baptist was not Elijah, but John the Baptist was Elijah because the spirit and power of Elijah was upon him. Now, what's that have to do with the end time two witnesses? Well, people debate and fuss a lot about who they actually are. Now, some people say, well, it's Elijah and Enoch. Now, the reason that is said, because they say, well, Elijah went up in a chariot and Enoch was not. So both of them have never died. So they're going to show back up in Jerusalem. It might be. But nothing in the text points to Enoch. That is only said because Enoch never died. Moses, we know, died. Matter of fact, Satan disputed about the body of Moses. He wanted the body of Moses. Y'all know that? So God buried Moses, but yet Moses was standing beside Yeshua on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hmm. And Elijah was there, who went up in a whirlwind. Hmm. Amazing. So here is the reality. These two witnesses are two witnesses, and they are going to have the power of Moses and Elijah, best I can tell from the scripture, on both of them. So they are Moses and Elijah. Are they physically actually Moses and Elijah? Maybe. But we can definitely say it's Moses and Elijah without saying whether it's actually the Moses and Elijah or it's the anointing and spirit and power of Moses and Elijah that are going to come upon two witnesses in the end times. And so it's it's one of the two. In my, in my way of thinking, it can only be one of the two. Cannot represent, you know, we can't spiritualize this and make it these other things because these two witnesses have power for 42 months and then they're killed. After they're killed, they're resurrected. After the resurrection of the two witnesses, these two bodies, it says, these two people lay dead in the street of Jerusalem. All the saints can't fit in there, right? And so that is why it seems to be easiest to take the scripture just as what it says. And it is Moses and Elijah. Now, whether it's physically reincarnated, I'm not saying that. But my belief is, my understanding is, they're going to have the ministry of Moses and the ministry of life. That power, that anointing, he says, I will give authority. I will give power to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy for 42 months. So that's why I lean toward these are two witnesses that are going to have the power of Moses and Elijah put upon them until they are killed. Could it actually be Moses and Elijah come back? Absolutely. 
but I wanted to show you why I think those things that I do in Scripture. I hope it's been a blessing today to be with us on Fear Not Friday. I hope you have a great Tabernacles. Uh, like I said, Tabernacles is the one. Sukkot is the one for sure that when the Lord returns, Zechariah 14, it says we're going to go up for year to year to keep the Feast of Tabernacles and we're to go up to Jerusalem. And so it's a very beautiful thing. We don't keep it in a legalistic way. We keep it because it is a picture of walking with God, talking with God, tabernacling with God, and saying, we know God is going to pull us through. We know God is going to pull us through. So remember, we won't be here next week. No daybreak for a while. But Lord willing, we will be back. Thank you for being with us during this whole time. Thank you for commenting. Thank you for sharing and taking part in this Bible study. Love you guys. Let's say the Lord's Prayer and we'll jump off here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Love to read your comments, saints. God bless you. And we will see you soon.